reached for the towel Grandma was handing him. That banty, he went on as he mopped his face, is better than any little old tinkly alarm clock. Why, he's even more to depend on than that fancy ticker your seafaring father brung us from France. He gave Grandma a playful wink. What's more, ye never have to wind him up, and I never knowed him to sleep overtime. Me neither, Paul said, even when it's cloudy. The old man and the boy went thudding in their sock feet to the back hall, to their jackets hanging over the wash tubs, and their boots standing side by side. Grandma's voice tailed them. Wrap up good now, wind's bitter. She came to the doorway and looked sharply at Paul. I got to brew some sassafras roots to purton ye up. I declare, ye look older and tireder than your grandpa. Who wouldn't look tuckered out? Grandpa asked in pride. Paul took the midnight watch on Misty. This household, Grandma sputtered, does more worritin' over Misty having a colt than if she was a queen birthing a crown prince. Well, she is, Paul exclaimed. She's a movie queen. Yup. Grandpa joined in. Name me another Chincoteague pony who's a star of a moving picture like Misty is. And her being famous, well, it's made a heap of difference to Pony Ranch. Paul nodded vehemently. Yes, Grandma. You know we sell more ponies because of her, and we can buy better fodder. And this summer I'm going to build her a fine stable, and... And I'll never hear the end of it. Grandma grumbled. Our place is a regular mecca for folks coming to see her. And when she has her colt, land of mercy, they'll be thicker than oysters in a pie. Paul and Grandpa were out the door. Grandma's sputtering bothered them no more than a mosquito before the fuzz comes off its stinger. A faint light had begun to melt the darkness, and there was a brim of dawn on the sea. The wind, blowing from the southwest in strong and frequent gusts, rippled the old dead marsh grasses until they and the waves were one. As Grandpa and Paul hurried to the barn, a golden-furred collie leaped down from his bed in the pickup truck and came galloping to meet them. Hi, Skipper! Paul gave him a rough-and-tumble greeting, but his heart wasn't in it. He caught at his grandfather's sleeve. Grandpa, he said, talking fast, Buck Jackson's got some she-goats up to his place. So? Well, if Misty should be bad off, what in tarnation you getting at? Maybe we'd ought to buy a goat, just in case. In case what? Misty couldn't give enough milk for her colt. The old man pulled himself loose from Paul. Get out in my way, boy. What's the sense to begin worrying now? We got chores to do. Listen at them ponies raising a ruckus to be fed, and all the ducks and geese a quacking and a clacking and carrying on. Everybody's hungry, including me. But, Grandpa, Paul was insistent. You yourself said April or May colts have a better chance of living than March ones. The old man stopped in mid-stride. It just ain't fitting for colts to drink goat's milk, he said gruffly, especially Misty's colt. 
he clumped off toward the corn crib, muttering and shaking his head. Paul skinned between the fence rails and ran toward the made-over chicken coop that was Misty's barn. He heard her whinnying in a low, rumbly tone. His heart pumping in expectancy, he unbolted her door. She came to him at once, touching nostrils as if he were another pony, then nibbling his straw-colored hair so that he couldn't see what he was looking for. Gently he pushed her away and stepped back. He looked underneath and around her, but there was no little colt lying in the straw. He looked at her sides. They were heavily rounded, just as they had been at midnight, and the night before, and the night before that. Surely it'll come today, Paul said to her, trying to hide his disappointment. For a while it can live right in here with you.